Come make some noise for the Lord this morning. Amen. I got a quick scripture I want to share with you guys. It's found in Matthew chapter 9. And it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. This is in verse 20 and 21. And it says, And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. She's talking about Jesus. And it says, For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. And, yeah, you can make some noise for the Lord. One thing that I want to point out in this story is, it was one encounter with Jesus. It changed everything in her life. And I want to tell you right here this morning, as we pursue and as we worship God, one moment in his presence can change everything. How many people believe that this morning? So let's pursue him. Let's, let's desire to touch the hem of his garment this morning. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Your praise 
the word of the Lord to you today. His grace is sufficient for you. You could be going through something right now and wonder if you're ever going to make it through there. 
or you just need some wisdom. They're just You just don't have the strength right now for whatever it is, and you wonder. I know God's saying all things work together for good, but is good going to turn out of this? And again, I say to you, His grace is sufficient for you, isn't it? And so as our altar workers are coming up right now, if you need prayer for anything, come and let them agree with you. Come and let the prayer of agreement go forth. And just like in our reading this morning, Daniel was weak from the vision of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord came and spoke to him. First he said, fear not. He said, peace, and he said, strength to you. So we're going to pray for strength and grace for you right now, or healing, whatever you might need. So continue to worship, and the altars are open.
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here, and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. Our Sidewalk Sunday School Outreach is having its end of school year party on Tuesday, June 7th at Sunset Apartments at 4 p.m. and Smith Keys Apartments at 5 p.m. You can meet at the church at 2.30 for food prep or come at 3.30 and follow us over there. 
Join us in making a difference in our community. Welcome to Church on the Rock. Are you doing good? Amen. We are glad that you're here. No better place to be on Sunday morning than at the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. At this time, we want to honor our graduates, our high school and college graduates. If you'll make your way to the stage right now, we want to give you something. So go ahead and come on up real quick. Can we give it up real fast for our graduates? You know, as they're coming, I want to remind you, you can help support missions by buying a casserole on the way out the door. They got all kinds of uh, styles of casseroles. Grab a casserole, you'll help people go on mission trips. We got one coming up here real soon to the Philippines, so you can help support the mission trips. Amen. We're gonna ask them to state their name and where they graduated from. My name is Kennedy and I graduated from Redwater High School. My name is Rose, I was homeschooled. My name is Luke Smith and I graduated from Texas High School. My name's Alexandra, and I graduated from Texas High School. I'm Robert Betts. I graduated from Texas High School. I'm Austin Wood, graduated from Redwater High School. Awesome. We are super proud of our graduates. Can we give it up for them? Amen. I'm John Miller. I graduated from Hernanda High School. It's a long time ago. How many in your class? A lot. 23 for me. 100 for me. Hey, we just want to say that we're proud of you guys, but this is just a start into the life of significance. Education is a lifelong journey, and our world needs two things. They need young people that are coming up as leaders that are informed of the issues of our day, but yet know what the Bible has to say and how, how, how a Christian should live, so that it's not just what comes out of my mouth, but it's the lifestyle that I live. But we want to say we're proud of you today, and uh, we know God has special plans for your life. And uh, we want to say we love you. Let's just lift our hands towards these kids and bless them. Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, that uh, these kids have made the first step in life's journey. And I just pray, God, that every step they take is a step that leads them closer to the will of God, that they make a difference in this world for Christ, and uh, you keep them in the palm of your hand. And we bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Give them one more big hand. As we continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings, just a little Imagine More update. we got some pictures on the screen. Our electronic sign could be up there in a matter of a week or two. So all the components are in, and this is going to be one of the uh, highest resolution signs between Little Rock and Dallas. So it's going to be a nice sign, and that's one more step toward Imagine More. And our next one is to break ground. And we started this project, you know, several years ago and the inside's been remodeled of our church we're going to add an expansion but let me read an offering scripture for you as we kind of think about that and, and give lord praise for what he's done so far apostle paul is saying here's my advice it would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago last year you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it now you should finish what you started let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving given proportion to what you have Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give it according to what you have, not what you don't have. You know, when it comes to giving, there was a point in my life 
where I really wasn't fully committed to the Lord. I would go to church. When the offering had come by, I'd kind of tip God like a bellboy and throw a couple bucks in. And But that's kind of the way my heart was, too. Uh, I didn't wasn't really all in for the Lord and didn't understand about tithing and things. You know, there's a family that came to church, and the kids had a, was a mom and dad and a son and a daughter, and they noticed dad would just kind of put a buck in there every once in a while. And that day he noticed he had a, a dollar bill he put in the offering when it came by. And they went home to eat their Sunday dinner, and, and Pop starts talking. He says, you know, I don't know what it was, but that, that praise and worship was just kind of off today. And the mom says, yeah, I don't think Zach and uh, Nick really prepared that well. That could have been the problem. And then the daughter pipes up and says, yeah, and pastor was pretty boring too. And the son kind of sat there a little bit, and he looked at him and said, you know, it still wasn't a bad show for a buck. So anyhow. But when it comes to generosity, a generous person, wherever you find a generous person, you're going to find contentment, you're going to find gratitude, you're going to find humility, you're going to find compassion, because all they have, they understand, has come from the Lord. And they're just generous people. And generous people just loan things to people, they help people. That's just their nature, because the nature of God has gotten control of them. And Paul was complimenting the church in Corinth on their attitude toward giving. It wasn't so much how much they gave or that they gave, but their attitude, their eagerness to be able to give and help with the projects that were going on. And Paul, in the verse before that, was challenging their sincerity of their love by their desire to give. And I think that's that way in our lives. We're tested with our willingness to give. I mean, if the Lord has our hearts, we're going to offer ourselves to people to pray for them. We're going to offer our talents, our time, and our treasure to the work of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so as we kind of, I want to go back as we finish this offering and remind us how Paul started this scripture. He said, remember what you were doing a year ago. Kind of a reminder for the Imagine More. We're coming into the summer, and when we hit the fall, we really want to be able to break ground. And we need a million dollars to really be able to do that right without stretching too far. And we're a little over halfway there. But this summer, we need to really ask the Lord for some fresh commitments. I think you need to ask the Lord to bless you some more. Anybody want to pray that prayer? That He just blesses you more. You're able to give more to the work of the kingdom. Mission trips, our building, so we can reach the harvest. Amen. Well, God bless you as you give today. collectively want to say, Lord, that we love you. We pray that your Holy Spirit is real in our midst today. God, that you just take our lives and help us become the person you created us to be. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Anybody said? Hey, tell your neighbor, you are really glad they're here. 
And you may be seated. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. Oh, let's try that again. Hey, it's great to see you guys this morning. Glad you're here. Well, I don't know if I should take my coat off or not already. I've got a hot topic this morning. I'm going to talk about gender identity in bathrooms. The Bible in bathrooms. I hope this comes out, but I've studied more for this message than I have, I think, any message I've ever preached. And uh, I say that because all my notes are online. I'm going to go over a lot of material, not just Bible, but we're going to look at a lot of cultural things. My presentation is going to be a bit different. I'll read a lot to you because I want to bring together two things. I want to bring together the Bible. I want to bring together what's going on in our culture and how someone that believes the Bible is God's Word might respond to things that are happening all around us. Again, all my notes are online. If you've got an iPhone or uh, iPad, you can download them now and kind of look along. But I want to begin this message with this question. How do we know the difference between right and wrong? Now, that's a significant question. The Barna Survey Group recently did a survey that revealed what you probably know is its biblical morality in America has been rejected. And a new moral code is taking its place. People are confused between the difference of right and wrong. 65% of those that were surveyed believe that every culture or every person can determine what's morally acceptable. In other words, there can be standards, there can be truths, right and wrongs in America, but those same right and wrongs might not apply in Mexico. Another question had to do with the Bible. 59% said we believe the Bible provides us with absolute moral truths, which are the same for all people in all situations. Now, this is where the rub comes in because the survey reveals what we know is that we're confused in America about what's right and what's wrong and how we determine right and wrong. And the shift in America is we believe now that the individual, through their reasoning powers, through their experience, through their feelings, can decide on their own what's right and wrong. Now, this is very much in contrast to what Americans years ago have been taught and believed. Our culture was, was, was founded on the Bible. And I really want to encourage you, if you're under 30, to listen to me this morning. Because your whole life, you've been exposed to a philosophy that basically said there is no God... And the Bible is just a book of stories as opposed to a book of absolute truth as it teaches of itself and as Jesus said. Now, there's kind of some new commandments in these moral code. There's a new philosophy that's congealed in some of these statements. The first is that the best way of finding yourself is by looking within yourself. In other words, if you want to find happiness, look within. If you want to determine right and wrong, look within as opposed to looking to God and finding your identity in relation to God. The second one, uh, this is very relevant uh, in our culture, it says people shouldn't criticize someone else's life choices. That's why the language of hate is used. In other words, if you disagree with me, if you hurt my feelings, you hate me. Therefore, we have hate laws. And colleges have safe spaces where nobody will say anything that's offensive or in, in any fashion. This is this new philosophy that, that people have embraced. Uh, the third one is the highest goal of life is to enjoy it as much as possible. It's like everything. The question is, are you having fun? The second wisest person in the Bible, Solomon, said this. He tried to find happiness through all different avenues. And Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, the whole duty of man is to fear God and obey His commandments because one day you're going to give an account. 
Versus the modern American says the whole duty of life is to have fun and enjoy yourself and you get to determine what's okay. The fourth one, people can believe whatever they want. You're free to believe whatever you want as long as your beliefs don't affect society or the larger group. If they do, we'll shut you down. Number five, any kind of sexual expression between two consenting adults is acceptable. So how many would say that sounds pretty much like America today? But here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to encourage you to ask yourself as an individual, where do I fall? Do I believe the Bible is truth or do I believe I have the ability to determine what truth is? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is, say it with me, inspired by God. All Scripture is inspired by God. It teaches us what's true. It makes us realize what's wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong. And say it with me. It teaches us to do what's right. The Bible, and Jesus affirmed these words. His words were true. The Bible is the Word of God. It teaches me the difference between right and wrong. Now, here's the deal. That statement is either true or false. It's too big for you to just ignore it or lay it aside. I want to bring you to a point of decision where you say, I believe it or I don't. And if you say, I don't believe it because I believe I have the right or other people have the right to kind of decide their own rules in life, that's huge because that's, that puts you in this new morality cannot exist on equal footing with the Bible. If you embrace the new morality that says, I'm kind of like a god, I get to choose right and wrong. I get to make the rules. I have the right to set the course for my life and all those things. You are in opposition to the Scripture. You're rejecting God's Word. Now, that's kind of a background. On January 18th of this year, the city of Arkansas, the board of directors, put Texarkana in the center of the culture debate in America. When they passed uh, an ordinance called M-130, they called it an emergency. And typically what happens in governmental agencies is they'll take three different meetings to bring something up. You maybe saw this in one of their last meetings. They're talking about water. They bring it up or a permit, and they'll bring it up and bring it up. It takes three times. But in emergency, you can pass it in one night. And they passed this ordinance in one night almost in a secretive fashion, yet public documents have disclosed they were working on it for a year. So this was kind of done in, in kind of a secret way. It's called a non-discrimination ordinance. And there's just something, nobody wants to discriminate, nobody wants to hate, nobody wants to be a bigot and all these kind of words. But, but what it did is it added three categories, and two I'm going to look at. One, they added the category of sexual orientation, and two, gender identity as a protected class. Now, a, a question that comes up is that where in the world do, do laws come from, and how do we know what are right laws and what are wrong laws? If you went back and read one of the signers of the Constitution, Alexander Hamilton, he was very clear that the signers believed that God's law, or natural law, was built upon the precepts of the Bible. And that's how you make dis determinations and decisions. And anything that was not in the Constitution, you know, that, that, that they expected people that would go to the Bible to find right and wrong. As opposed to today, again, we have the new morality. We've taken scissors and we've cut the cord and we say, well, we get to determine what's right and wrong. And we feel the proper thing to do is to give special rights. The 14th Amendment guarantees all of us equal protection under the law, but now we have classes of people that we give special rights to. And these bills are coming up all across America, and they're called bathroom bills. And some people may be, you know, you may say, oh, hey, this is not about a bathroom. This is about, uh, it's about employment. Well, 
If you're going to give a transgendered person a special protection and a right, and you're going to include public accommodations, where do you think they're going to go to the bathroom? And is that going to be a problem in our culture? And that's kind of why they're called bathroom bills. We'll talk, we'll talk more about that. Um, the citizens in Texas, Arkansas, they're going to vote on this on June 28th uh, in their own polling places they normally vote. Uh, early voting starts June 21st. Uh, they're going to decide if this ordinance should be upheld or repealed. And I want to talk specifically about this, but broadly about the issue in our culture today. Now, for example, maybe you've seen a sign like this. Uh, we've got some in our lobby. Uh, why in the world would a church want to encourage people to put up a sign like that? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. And I, I'm fully aware today that, that some of us are on different sides of the issue. I can virtually guarantee you that everybody here has a pretty strong opinion about it. This is not one of those things that it's not that big a deal. You're probably on one side or the other. And, and if you feel like you're probably going to disagree with me, first of all, let me say thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I want to encourage you, just give me an ear to what I have to say. I'm not just a Bible thumper. We're going to talk about science. We're going to talk about our culture. But I want to tell you up front that I love you and I'd like to be your friend. As a pastor, a pastor is a shepherd, and I care about people. And I believe part of the issue here is not just a personal preference or an individual right, but it's issues about what's right and wrong for us as individuals, our culture, and for our children that we're raising. So let's explore this together. This is very contentious in America today. President Obama has recently demanded that our public schools uh, allow students to use whatever bathroom, locker room, or shower they choose uh, government leaders in both Arkansas and Texas told educators to ignore his unlawful order. Now I think it's 11 states that have filed suit. Of course, Target is being boycotted by millions of people for this policy. North Carolina passed a bathroom bill requiring people to use the restroom corresponding to their sex assigned at birth. And now businesses and entertainers say we won't, we'll boycott the state and everybody's suing each other. This picture is from a restroom that's in uh, North Carolina. It's from a hotel in North Carolina. You can see the little commode there. And this is the sign that's on the door. Rather than male or female, uh, it says, we don't care. Well, can I tell you? I care. I care. I care about our culture. I care about all folks. And uh, I want to talk to you today, this morning about bathrooms and the Bible. Uh, I, I may need an extra three or four minutes today. Is that okay? Can I have three or four minutes? Three, six, nine, twelve. That's plenty. I'll plenty of time. First of all, and let me begin in this starting place. All people are valuable to God. Because what happens in our culture, and I don't know, well, I know why politicians do it, because they want votes and all that kind of stuff, but they polarize us. They polarize us based on our race. They polarize us based on our gender. It's like everything is separated in America. If a crime is committed, our first question is not was a moral crime committed, but what color was their skin and what color was the policeman's skin? It's like we're divided. But if we could begin at a starting place is all people are valuable to God. And we're valuable because we're created in the image of God. Whether we're, you know, whoever we are, even if we're Adolf Hitler, he had innate value because he was created in the image of God, though he did things that were highly detrimental and against uh, the clear teachings of Christ. Uh, Genesis 1 tells us this, and again, I go to the Bible for this statement. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
The image of God doesn't mean that God's a white guy six feet tall. It means that we share God's capacity to love, to learn, to reason, to, 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 to show compassion. Uh, we're different than any other creation. And because of that, all people, regardless of our age, regardless of our race, our disability, our sexual orientation, our sins, all people are important to God. All people have value. Uh, some of us may end up in prison because we have harmed other people, but even in prison we have value. The child in the womb has value created in the image of God. Uh, the elderly person with dementia uh, in the nursing home that adds nothing to society, grandma has value because she bears the image of God. And because of that, as a Christian, I should never bully or demean anyone. I'm called to love people. Uh, but Ephesians 4, 15 says, I'm to speak the truth in love. And this is where we kind of lose it. We figure like we're either we're going to speak the truth or we're going to love people. We, we somehow do both. And let me make this statement, and this is clear from Scripture. God loves all people, but that doesn't mean He approves of our sinful choices. Say it again. God loves everybody. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. See, Jesus loves everybody, but He doesn't disapprove of choices. You know, I must be very clear to you today. We live in a world that says... Um, uh, there's no accountability for your actions. You see, when we remove God from our school system, when we remove the Ten Commandments off the walls of schools that said, Thou shalt not murder, we wonder why in Chicago on, on, on Memorial Day weekend over 60 people were shot and I don't know what it was, half a dozen, six or eight were killed. W why does this happen? Is because we've lost respect. We've lost respect for the people created in God's image and we don't realize that one day we're going to have to stand before God and give an account for our lives. This is missing. In, in, in education system today that one day your actions are going to you're going to have to give an account for them and I'll have to give an account for my choices the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the the judgment the, of course the great white throne judgment well as a Christian God loves people but he doesn't approve I'm supposed to love people but I don't have to approve of their sinful behavior and let me say this as a, as a starting point everyone is welcome at Church on the Rock I don't care who you are. I mean, I like the diversity of our church. You're welcome here even if your gender identity or your sexual orientation is, is different from the, what the Bible teaches. But I want to be very clear. We ask you, just as I would ask the adulterer or the fornicator or the one addicted to pornography, to accept our understanding of Scripture's call of sexual morality that sex is reserved to be between a man and a woman in the context of marriage, lifelong marriage. But people are welcome here. And I have a track record to prove this. There was a transgender uh, young man that came to our church about six months ago. And I went out of my way when he left. He met me at the door to be nice to him, to invite him to come back. And the next Wednesday night in our, in our uh, Connect class, uh, I was going around the room asking people why they're a part of our church. That's kind of how you get into the life of our church and how you join and all go to Connect class. Well, anyway, this one couple said, we were standing behind the young man. And we saw the way that you treated him, how kind you were. And we decided this is going to be our church. So I'm not open the remarks that are thrown when you disagree, preacher, you hate me. Not true. I've got a track record that says something different. Now, these two protected classes, one was sexual orientation. And I want to be brief with this, but I need to touch on it. Sexual orientation basically means, as a man, am I attracted to a woman, another man, or both? And vice versa, of course, for a woman. Who am I attracted to sexually? 
Uh, in America, Wikipedia tells us between 2.3 and 3.5% of us are homosexuals or bisexual. So say 3% are homosexual, bisexual, and 0.3 are transgender. Very hard to find a number on this. But again, the Bible's clear. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and any sexual relationship outside of a committed monogamous marriage is a sin. Jesus said these words in Matthew 19, 5. Jesus said, A man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife. And that's feminine. That's just not someone that feels like they're feminine. That's the gender of the noun is a feminine noun. And the two shall become one flesh. Now, that's true or it's false. It may be different from what the psychology teacher teaches at the university, what Jesus just said, but what Jesus said is true or it's false. You can't, you can't afford to take the words of the most important person in human history whose lifetime... Who, listen, they didn't just name a road after Jesus. Time is divided by his life. B.C. and A.D. Now, they're trying to... Re they've redefined what B.C. and A.D. means, but A.D. means in the year of our Lord. It's a Latin term. Time is divided by this man's life. And he said, he quoted Genesis, and he talked about a man and a woman. Now, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, regarding our sexual expressions, don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The Bible teaches us that there's more to life than just this life. There is an eternity to come, and inheriting God's kingdom should be pretty important. Um, don't be deceived. Now, here's some key words. God's kingdom, there's a path towards it. Some people are deceived about the whole thing. And Scripture says, neither the sexually immoral. Now, if you've downloaded my notes, you'll see I copied from the ESV uh, an explanation of this. It's the Greek word pornos. It is a broad term of any immoral activity. As opposed to being sex defined by the individual, it's anything outside of marriage. Neither sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality will inherit the kingdom of God. So again, it's true or it's false. And we all have to make a decision about that. But how many know our decision has nothing... We can't make it true or false simply by what I believe. God being the nature of God himself means he has the right to make these rules in life. You say, well, pastor, I have feelings. If you're a man, I have homosexual feelings. I have feelings towards another man. I, I love another man. So isn't that okay? Well, listen, I may have a thoughts of adultery in my heart, but that doesn't mean I have to act on adultery. I, I've been married 33 years to Linnell. Listen, I've seen a lot of pretty girls in this world. But just because they look pretty and just because they may wink and smile and wiggle a little bit does not mean... So, again, the new morality says, if it feels good to you, do it. Nobody has the right to judge you. You get to decide what's right and wrong. I'm telling you, it's not Bible. Now, our Supreme Court has declared right what God calls wrong. Now, let me spend the next few minutes talking about this idea of gender identity and what does the Bible say about it. Gender identity, uh, it simply means if you perceive yourself that you're a male, a female, both, neither. Or some combination. In our world today, it is totally separate from your sex that was assigned to you at birth. In American culture, gender identity is whatever I want it to be. Hence, Facebook has 51 gender choices. I read through them. And having read them, I couldn't even explain them to you. 
uh, if you live in New York City, you have 31 different gender identities and businesses in New York that don't respect and accommodate an individual's chosen gender can be fined up to six figures. But the city has not given us an explanation what these genders mean. But all I have to do is I'm a transgendered person and I'm offended. I can file suit and, and, and I will probably win. In Canada, it's worth. They have proposed fines go as high as $250,000 and a two-year prison term for speech deemed as being an anti-transgender. It's almost like the Gestapo. It's almost like, you know... However, this has become such a prominent issue in culture. Somebody with a big big stick is is uh, is is saying, uh, "Don't don't do this." So, what's the issue? Can a person choose their gender, or is our gender or sex assigned by God, our Creator at birth? Now, that's a that's a valid question. Do I have the right to determine my gender, or has my gender been assigned to me at birth? By God. Again, the Bible says, Genesis 1.27, God created man, generic term man, in his image. In the image of God, he created him. And say this with me. Male and female, he created them. Say it again. Male and female, he created them. Now, if you go to a modern science class, there is no God. So you came here in all your intricacies and all the, you know, the majesty that you have as a human being. You're an accident. It just took time and mud to get you here. And the beauty of the flowers. I, 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 I love the outdoors. I was raised on a farm. I like nature. I, I got a yard landscape. I, I'm sitting in my hammock the other day. And I'm watching this little green gecko, and he's about that long, you know, kind of like he's not trying to sell me insurance, though. <laughs> he's walking across my porch, and I don't know what he's doing, but he's got this little red thing that comes out of his throat, and it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, three-quarters of an inch or an inch long. I can't hear any sound, but I bet he's trying to show out for a girl somewhere. I, that's all I can think he's doing. But I thought, it takes more faith to believe that that thing is arbitrarily, come on now, that that, that 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 thing is not created uniquely by God. It takes more faith to believe that it's just kind of a, a haphazard thing than, than, than deliberate. But again, our gender, the Scripture teaches He created us as a male or a female, and God expects us to respect our God-given gender differences. Deuteronomy 22 says, A man must not put on, uh, I'm sorry, a woman must not put on men's clothing and a man must not wear women's clothing. And anyone who does this is detestable. But it makes me happy. I feel better. I feel more like me. Well, well, do you know my, again, who has the right to determine what's right? My feelings or is it a standard? Listen, by a loving God, don't ever forget, God's not trying to quench our style. God loved us so much, He wants us to spend eternity with Him. Listen, He made this earth for our enjoyment. When you go out to the lake and the beach or the mountains or wherever you go, God created that, come on, for our enjoyment. He's a good God. He wants to be with us for all of eternity, but He's got some boundaries He wants us to live with Him. Pastor Robert Jeffress, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, he said Christians are confused about how they should respond to the transgender debate, but it's not that's confusing. 
and he quoted the words of Jesus in Matthew 19 where Jesus quoted Revelation that says, Have you not read that he who created them, God, from the beginning, made them male and female? Not male, female, and question mark, but God determined our sexes. Now, let's move on from the, uh, from the Bible. How about science and gender identity? Since the Enlightenment, we, mankind has been taught that, that reason supersedes faith. Faith is for stupid people. Faith in mythology and the Bible and, you know, stories and all that. Well, that's, that's for kind of the dumb masses. Smart people are reasonable, they're rational, they're philosophic, uh, they're very much guided by science, and science determines truth. But it's amazing in this debate we ignore the best voices of science that are out there as we try to teach our children, listen, and I'm telling you where America's going, we try to teach our children in Washington State today, a church member just moved there, showed me the curriculum that Washington State is using to teach kindergartners about being a transgendered person. Science says it's the American College of Pediatricians. Now, they're a pretty brainy group. They're the men and women that specialize in the development of our children. When you have a baby, you find a baby doctor. You know, you have a, you know, your, your gynecologist or whoever delivers you, but then you get a, a baby doctor that specializes in childhood development. And the pediatricians tell us this, uh, because this is an issue. Some would say, well, some people are born, 0.5% are born with genitals either of male or female or both, or some, you know, it's, it's confusing who they are. But this group of pediatricians says it's no question they are, have chromosomes, male or female, that are in, in their clarity, but they are not a third sex. They are a disorder of human design. Just like if you have bad eyes, it's a disorder. It's a breakdown of God's design. If you're born with a disability, this doesn't make you a class of people. It's just a brokenness. Uh, they're not a third sex. And these, these people warn educators and legislators that a life, listen, of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex. Think of Bruce Jenner, and I don't think, or Caitlin, whoever. But, but without the surgery, I think he's still got his male anatomy. I don't know if anybody, well. Now see, you're getting me in trouble. Here's what they say. A life of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex is dangerous for children. And a person's belief that he or she is something that they're not is at best a sign of confused thinking. It should be treated that way. Cross-sex hormones, that's giving a woman uh, testosterone or vice versa, they're, they're associated with dangerous health risks and rates of suicide among adults who use these hormones and undergo sex change are 20 times greater. But in the state of Washington, and I'm sure many other places, because that's why education, they want to they centralize it. The, the federal government wants to take it away from the parents and local school districts so they can, they, can, they can teach not just math and science, but they can teach a culture uh, uh, that somebody wants to have in America. This group of pediatricians says conditioning children into believing that a lifetime of chemical and surgical impersonation of the opposite sex is normal, they say it is child abuse. If, if someone suspects you of child abuse, listen, you'll go to jail today, friend. But at the same time, the professionals are telling us it's hurting kids and we're ignoring them. A psychiatrist, Dr. Paul McHugh, he was the psychiatrist-in-chief at John Hopkins Hospital. He studied transgenderism and sex reassignment surgery 40 years. He said the condition is a mental illness. 
And to enable it is to equal uh, to an, and to enable it is equal to collaborating with madness. But the Bible of the psychiatrist, DSM five now, they've changed the term from four to five. I think it was I think it was a gender something about gender confusion disorder, and now they've removed disorder and now it's gender dysphoria, because we do, we don't what people feel we don't want to make a disorder, we want to change what normal is. Listen now. We want to make people realize that they can change what normal is as opposed to the Bible having defined for us parameters of right and wrong and normal. So as our culture shifts, it's shifting away from the Bible. Punch your neighbor. He's preaching a little better than we're amening this morning. Pastor Jeffries, again, said this, and he brings science and religion together. He says, gender identity confusion is an emotional disorder that should be treated professionally and compassionately. Gender identity confusion should not be exploited by social activists. That's what we're seeing. Who want to deny the God-given distinction between the sexes. This is rebellion against God's plan. Because again, what I'm telling you, what these psychiatrists and doctors are telling you, it's true or it's false. But if you're under 30 or so, you've been raised in a world that tells you there's no such thing as true and false. The new morality says you get to decide on your own what's true and false and right and wrong. Something's a matter with that. He went on to say, our creator assigned our gender at birth, and I like this. If you don't hear anything else in the message, hear this today. He said, the best way we can help gender-confused people is by letting them know that their heavenly Father created them as a man or a woman and has a wonderful plan for their life. Now, why should here locally, why should the citizens of Texarkana, Arkansas repeal this ordinance, R-130? Again, early voting the 21st, the date's the 28th. I want to give you seven things quickly. Number one, it undermines a biblical standard of morality in Texarkana, USA. It undermines a biblical standard of marriage and morality. It's a deliberate destruction of the biblical ideal for family, and it normalizes immorality. Number two, it opens the door to other unforeseen problems. Did you know that the reason this came up, you realize there's a, there's a national group that's given, a, an attorney told me this, it's work, specializes in these, these laws. He said there's a national group that's given over $8 million to three southern states to bring up issues like this and get ordinances all over the South. But it's just a foot in the door. It's not the end. Uh, officials in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, they also wanted to add transgender protection to their city code, but they dropped it because they were informed of the likely consequences by a, a, a legal group, Liberty Institute. And here's what the lawyers told them. They said, look, if you adopt this today, here's what's going to happen. One day you're going ha to be requiring churches to hire people without regard to their sexual identity. And here's a big one. One day your daycare workers, your kindergarten teachers, and your school teachers can openly cross-dress in front of their classes, and nothing you can do about it. And thirdly, he said, uh, women, uh, women, your women's shelters will be required to provide a bed to any man who claims to be a woman, even though it's a woman's shelter. Here's a third thing. I see why it's a bad ordinance. This ordinance will make it easier for pedophiles to harm our kids. Now, I do not believe that the typical transgendered or gender-confused person is, is a child molester is going to hurt your kids. But I am concerned that sexual predators will take advantage of this. 
One of government's main role is to protect us. It is to protect our children, to protect our, protect our mothers, to protect our wives. Uh, uh, if you don't believe this is true, listen to these headlines. Uh, in Virginia, a man dressed as a woman was arrested for spying in a mall bathroom stall. In Seattle, a man in a women's locker room said they, uh, he had the right to be there because of their new gender rule. In Toronto, a sexual predator was thrown in jail after he claimed to be transgender because he wanted to assault women in the shelter. In Edmond, Oklahoma, right up the road, a man was arresting for recording a child in a shower. There are still things that are considered perverse in our society, but the list is growing smaller and smaller what they are. You realize there's a group in America wanting to lower the age of consent. It's called NAMBLA, the National Man-Boy Love Association. They want to get that age on down there because older men are attracted to boys. And all this makes it easier. Here's the fourth reason. And again, all this is in my notes. If you want to use this to, uh, uh, you know, to disprove me, send me an email or to, or to use it as a reference, just download it. But the fourth thing, it would be used to pressure other government agencies in area schools to adopt a similar policy. Why do you say that? One of the parts of this ordinance is clearly in the ordinance if you read it, and I'll give you a copy if you don't have it. It says any person or any business doing business with the city of Texarkana, Arkansas must sign in their contract that they agree with these policies and will adopt them in their own business. We are joined at the hip as Texarkana, Texas to Texarkana, Arkansas. Our water is tied up. Our laws are tied up. Come on, our police department. Everything about us is connected, and in some way, that will be a problem that could end up our little town in the Supreme Court. And I know we have plenty of money now in Texarkana, Texas, since we passed the alcohol thing, so we are flowing in money, but we still have potholes out there. And one day, whoever, whatever group gets together and decides they're a progressive school district and they meet in secret just like that board did and then they bring it up to the school and then they can simply say, well, we want to be like them because they're already doing it in our city. The fifth one concerns me terribly. It will confuse our children about what's right and wrong. It will confuse our kids about human sexuality. Number six is a concern. It infringes upon the religious liberties of private businesses, churches, and religious organizations. Now, look, let me be very clear, and I've said this a number of times. I don't think, listen, every person has value. And I'm not talking about something as ludicrous as saying, you can't come in my restaurant because you're gay, or I'm going to deny you medical service because you're transgender. Listen, we should be loving all people, come on, regardless of what is going on in their life. We don't need a special law to tell us to love people, and Christians should be the best at this. But at some point when you do as I am doing today, making a stand and saying this is wrong... The, the language of the day is you've offended me and that's the unwritten code of the new morality is you can't say anything that disagrees with culture and because we don't want to make a law that specifically says we're going to bash churches over the head, we'll make what's called hate crimes legislation and we'll use it for a multitude of things. Uh, number six, it conflicts with the right of privacy of 99.7% of Americans that don't want to go to the bathroom with a person of the opposite sex. And, of course, as I said, it was going to force businesses to adopt the same policy. Now, let me wrap this up. Persecution and religious freedom. Across America, Christians are being targeted 
when their sincerely held religious convictions are at odds with sexual choice. We saw this when it came to gay marriage, the county clerk that became kind of the focal point. The issue is not making an accommodation. Uh, licenses can certainly be given by another person, but, but the push was we want to make sure that you are forced to give the license. And if you, don't, if you don't perform the gay wedding, if you don't make the flower arrangement, if you don't, you know, bring us the cake. And again, I'm not a baker, so it's easy to say. But if I was a baker, I might try to make the best cake that I could. Come on, even if it's against my convictions and put on my Jesus shirt and offer to pray for everybody that I gave a slice of cake to. Are you with me today? We forget some. We want this little perfect little view of America. We forget that the Bible was written to Christians that were persecuted, living under the scourge of the Roman Empire. Come on now. And this stuff is around us. So we don't want to retreat. We don't want to go into a commune. And we don't want to be people that throw rocks. We're not in an enemy with people. We're trying to help them get to heaven. We're trying to see what the truth is. We're, because it's truth that sets you free. We're trying to help them find the love and peace and joy that comes in life. Come on. That cannot come apart from God. That's got to stay our motivation. But Christians are being punished. And this ordinance discriminates against religion. And the government is responding with Gestapo-like tactics. And I don't say that lightly. Listen, if you, in the ordinance right now that they have, it, 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 it says we won't discriminate on the basis of religion. But now what are you going to do if you put religion and sexual orientation and gender identity aside each other? You're going to have a fight, and then you're going to have to look to a court somewhere. To, and I mean, no, courts don't always determine right and wrong. We can have a law, but it's not a just and a right law. Come on. Just and right laws, again, our founders built our nation on the Bible, and that's where justice and righteousness comes from. But, boy, there's some headlines about this out there. In Washington, a high school girl's swim team was exposed to a naked man in the woman's sauna. They complained, and they said there's nothing you can do about this because in our, in our uh, gender identity laws, they're protected. In California, a teacher announced her sex change to eight-year-old students without the parents' knowledge. In New Mexico, Civil Rights Commission fines Christian photographer $7,000 because he wouldn't do the lesbian wedding. In San Antonio, an employee was fired because he told a cross-dressing male not to use a woman's dressing room at Macy's. A Catholic hospital in California was sued because they refused breast augmentation surgery to a man. This is out there. You can either bury your head in the sand or you can try to have a biblical view to speak the truth in love in a world that you may not like. Now, I'm going to wrap this up. Let me conclude with this. Uh, and this is a pretty neat story. I just read this this past week. It, it was about a woman. Uh, her name is Mary Dillard Smith. She's an African-American woman. And she has a very unique role in society. She was the head of the ACLU in Georgia. She had only three African-Americans that shared a position of that prominence in the ACLU. And typically, the ACLU is not on the side of protecting religious liberty of Bible-believing people. Anyway, she's the leader of this group, but she, she said, I can't explain to my daughters why the ACLU is forcing communities to open women's bathrooms, locker rooms, and changing rooms to men who claim to be women. And then, this is in quotations, her, her, her comment. I've shared my personal experience of having taken my elementary school-aged daughter into a women's restroom when shortly after three transgender young adults over six foot tall with deep voices entered. My children were visibly frightened and concerned about their safety, and they left asking lots of questions for which I, like many parents, 
was ill-prepared to answer, and she resigned. It's one thing to talk philosophy about something out there. It's another thing if it happens in the bathroom of anywhere where Texarkana, Arkansas, USA's policy covers. It could be your daughter, your wife, or your son, or mine. So what should we do? I would encourage you to be informed and get involved. I would encourage you to get off the bench and into the game. And you don't have to be a protester like these hired thugs at some of these anti-Trump rallies that you're seeing today. I mean, I mean, what's happened to civility in America? That we can pay people, we can rent a mob to get a position to come up. You don't have to act like that. You can, you can be a, a loving person, but get involved. Talk to your school and your political leader. If I lived in Texarkana, Arkansas, I'd go to the courthouse and I would want to make an appointment with the mayor and I'd want her to talk to me. And if she told me this is how the city can make more money, I would say, well, does that also mean we want the casinos like they want to bring to town? Do we want strip clubs downtown? Is there, is there anything we won't do for money in Texarkana, Arkansas, ma'am? This violates our moral, uh, uh, moral, moral teachings. I would talk to her. I would talk to my ward director because every one of the, if you live in Arkansas, every one of your little ward members, the leaders there that formed the board, every one of them voted for this. I'd want to ask them why, and I'd want to ask them if they'll continue to vote that way in the future. These are people that are representing you. If they'll do something like this in the dark of the night behind us, come on, something so contentious in America, what else might they do? I would get involved. The second thing I'd do is I'd act in a loving way to anyone that may fall on, quote, the other side. A gender-confused person. The second commandment that Jesus taught us is to love our neighbor as ourself. The third thing I would do is I would talk to my kids and my grandkids. Because I tell you, friend, if you don't talk to them, somebody will. The media will talk to them. You cannot trust Walt Disney. Come on, you cannot trust Disney cartoons to teach them the right way. Their school will talk to them. The government will talk to them. Their peers will talk to them. Listen, and the last thing I would say, if you live in Texarkana, Arkansas, I would vote. I would vote on June 28th. I, I, I vote early all the time on June 21st. I would get me some of these signs in my yard. I'd get some for me and one for my neighbor. And I'd post If I lived in Texas, I would post it. And uh, Because, listen, the world's talking about it today. So how about we have a little bit of a voice in the world today? And again, I thank you for being here today. I thank you for listening. And if you are on, you know, kind of the opposite side that I'm on today, I want to thank you for not running out on me today. And I want to tell you that I love you and I want to be your friend, but I encourage you, go back and listen to this. Go back and read about it and have a little time with God. Open your heart, open your Bibles, and let God lead you in the right way. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Let's stand to our feet here and have a closing prayer. Like Forrest Gump said, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to go on vacation here for a couple weeks, but when I come back, we're going to talk about living in the last days. We're going to talk about, I think we'll call it the last chapter or the end or something. You know, I don't care how many signs we put up like that or how loud our voice is. Unless we have a spiritual awakening in America, America is going to keep going downhill. As a citizen, I should be involved in my country. But I want to tell you, friends, unless God awakens the nation, we're in great trouble. And I don't want to throw a rock at anybody else in their problems. I want to go to God and do what the Scripture says. If my people, 
which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray if they'll seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God said, I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. So, Lord, as we bow our heads and hearts before you today, we just give you the right to search us. Forgive us, Lord, when we've done wrong. Forgive us if in any way we've ever bullied anybody or demeaned anyone or told jokes about people different from us. Lord, we want our hearts to be pure towards you and pure towards all men. But, God, we want to ask you for an awakening in this great nation. We want to ask you, Lord, to put us back on the right track. We want to ask you to do for us what you did, Lord, in the days of George Whitfield, the first, second, third great awakenings, even the Jesus movement that swept America in the 70s. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would visit uh, the nation afresh. Visit the church house. Visit each one of us, every church building. But God, visit this whole nation. And let this nation once again be on fire for God. God, that's what I want. Come on, lift your hands to heaven and say, God, that's what I want. I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a spiritual awakening in the nation. I want to ask you to awaken me, God. I want to ask for fresh fire to come in my life. I, I want to pray, God, that I would be not only a Bible believer, but I would be a Bible actor, that I would be someone that, that does what the Scripture says and, and every day lived on a mission from God. Come, Holy Spirit, today and just change my old hardened heart and wash away my worldliness and my iniquity. And, and Lord, just make me new on the inside. And, Help me be the person, God, you want me to be. And, Lord, today we want to just pray a prayer of blessing over the Texarkana, Arkansas City Council. I want to pray, Lord, a blessing over every person in our city and area that's maybe struggling with gender confusion or, Lord, maybe living in the homosexual lifestyle or living in adultery, Lord, or watching pornography or, or, or committing fornication just on a regular basis. Lord, forgive the one that's dabbling on the computer and following all the little temptations. God, all of us, Lord, one time or another, get off track. And I want to ask you to help us, Lord, get back on track and be the people that you want us to be. Give me just two minutes and let's have a, a prayer for any that may be here that need prayer. I know every time we open the Bible, God's Holy Spirit deals with people. Maybe you're here today and maybe something in this message really kind of captured you with God and, and you want to pray with somebody about it. Maybe, maybe you have a transgendered family member or someone that's gay and, and, and you want to pray for them. You want to pray with somebody with them that God would touch their hearts and you don't know how to get through to them. Come, let us pray for you. Maybe you struggle with adultery or fornication. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with feelings of homosexuality or, or feelings of, 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 of whatever, of adultery. Let somebody pray with you. Listen, the way to get over something is to admit to God that you're doing wrong very private moment, God could do something very amazing in your life. I don't know what it may be, but if you just feel a need to pray for somebody, we'd like to pray with you. The most important thing of all, though, we'd like to pray for is your personal relationship with God. Because listen, friends, none of us are guaranteed we'll live another hour. Uh, you probably got plans what you're going to do this afternoon, but you have no guarantee that you're going to live another hour. I want to ask you, my friend, on that day of judgment, on judgment day, what will you say to God? If you're standing at the gates of heaven and and, and, and God says, why should I let you in? What would you say to him? I sure hope you wouldn't try to balance out your good works and bad works because, I mean, it only takes one sin to make a sinner. See, Jesus died on the cross so our sins could be forgiven. I can't do enough good things to get to heaven, but I can have my sins forgiven by God and I can turn my heart and become a follower of Christ. Listen, I'm glad you came to church, but going to church won't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you receive Christ as your Savior and you follow him. And maybe what I'm saying to you today, you just feel a hand that's pulling you. It's not mine, it's God's. And I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm asking you to commit your life to Christ. 
If that's you, when we begin to play this song, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step, slip out of your chair, and come over to this cross. I promise you nobody will embarrass you, but as your step away from the things of the world and stepping towards God, I promise you, Jesus will give you the life you've always dreamed about. I'm going to ask now as our prayer team is coming forwards, they're going to sing this last song. If you want prayer for anything, take advantage of this in this last chorus. Come let us pray for you. Because our prayer team comes, just slip out of your chair. Listen, someone will pray for you. If you want to commit your life to Christ, if you've gotten off track with God and you want God to help you get back on track, slip out of your chair and come up and meet someone at the cross. We'll pray for you. I love you very much. Thank you for coming. Every heart that is broken